First of all, I have loved being here. It is always a joy to be here. I walked into this place and it still feels like family. It is exciting to see what God is doing among you. So many new faces as well. I see a bit more diversity as well. There's lots of changes going on. I see more young people as well. This is exciting stuff. Your family is growing. God is doing great things. And on the back of all these beautiful words you've been receiving, reminding you of God's love for you, reminding you of the invitation that you can sit with God, and that out of that secret place flows rivers of living water to bless others, the text you have given me today begins like this. And if I was to read it today as a preacher to myself, it says this. Now, Joseph Bediakon was a great preacher and minister of God, but he was black. Hmm. Jephthah the Gilead was a mighty man of valor, but he was born of a harlot. In other words, he was a mighty general, but he was a, forgive me, a bastard. Fancy being introduced in the text that will go throughout generations, thousands of years to come, to be known as the guy who was great, but your mother was a prostitute. What an introduction. And so I began to think, God, (laughs) why did I get Jephthah? And then, of course, there are funny things in the story of Jephthah. He's the only guy who promises God something outrageous, and he ends up needing to sacrifice her living daughter as a human sacrifice to God. It is a bizarre story. But there is truth here. So this morning, I was going through my text. I was going through my planning, my my words. I'm trying to fix it. I'm trying to make a three-point sermon and all of those things, and I felt God laid a very, almost heavy and yet very encouraging word for you this morning. I am going to read the passage in a moment, but let me bring what I felt God say to me in the worship to you first. Sing, Croydon Jubilee. Burst forth into singing, sing aloud, Croydon Jubilee, enlarge the place of your tent and let them stretch out its curtains far and wide. Do not spare, for you shall expand to the right and to the left. Do not fear, for you will not be ashamed nor will you be disgraced. You will forget your past. You will forget your pain. For your maker is your husband. The Lord of hosts is his name. And your redeemer is the Holy One of Israel. He is called the God of the whole earth. For the Lord has there are there are many words 
that I felt God brought to us in the worship today. And it is one of invitation to come and drink and to hear from God. And, and what that looks like, guys, is when you come to God, God speaks to you and he quickens your spirit. And that effect in you is what brings life and produces the good things that we've been speaking about. And I felt God wanted me to bring that word to you, that as you come into the invitation, as you come into this place, he wants to speak to you. And what I feel he's saying to you is what I've just read to you. I feel God wants to say to you, you are not making yourselves. You are not building this church yourselves. It is a doing. It is a doing by God's hand, and he's fashioning what he wants to happen. And the beauty about that is God who sees what he wants to shape cannot be stopped. The sovereign God who is committed to building you and shaping you cannot be stopped. Nothing in heaven can stop God, much less anything on earth. Nothing. He is the sovereign one. And he says to you, brace yourselves for expansion, for growth, for much life to come. And then he wants to, and I am aware of some of, of the difficulties you've been through in, in recent months and couple of years, and, and I feel he wants to say to you, do not be afraid as you move forward because of what you've been through. It is a natural thing. It, it is said, once bitten, twice shy. It is a natural thing to be more cautious, to be more reserved, to, 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 to not come forward with the same backbone because you've been hit before. And I, want, I feel God wants to declare to you, no, he is the one who is forming you. Do not be afraid in spite of what you've been through. There is growth coming, and I already see it, and that's how I started my sermon, by saying what I see in the natural, because I feel that's what God is saying in the spiritual, and it will happen. Um, Neil asked me to share a little bit about what is going on in my side of the world. <laughs> oh gosh, this is supposed to be a good news time, man, come on. Anyway, so basically what is happening is that um, we, from... Fountain Heath planted into Forestdale because in Forestdale there was no church. Okay, on the back of Kids Club, um, which has been an amazing thing, bringing thousands of children under the sound of the gospel across Croydon, we we decided that the strategy must be that local churches must be attached to local schools. I.e., the church in Fountain Heath will not be the one that pastors every school in Croydon. The best way to do it is local churches. In other words, when we get into a school, we attach that school to a local church. And therefore, we can do more together. Um, but when we got to Forestdale, um, there, there was no local church um, in Forestdale. And personal circumstances led my family to go and live there. Um, and on the back of that, in Fountain Heath, we were praying and we felt God say, plant a lamppost there. So the long and short of that is there is now a church in Forestdale, as you all know. Praise the Lord. Um, <laughs> and, and there is lots of beautiful things happening. We, we don't do our teas and coffee in the building. We, when we finish church, we do our teas and coffee in the forum, which is a, like a pub stroke community center. So the church basically invades the pub every single Sunday afternoon. But they have received as well. And we've done events for them. We have hosted the, 
barbecue for the whole community at their place. We have, then they asked us to do another one. They've asked us to host the Jubilee that is coming so the whole community comes. The church has become um, their partner to gather, the, um, to gather the people of Forestdale to that place. Um, because, and that is beautiful. The second thing I wanted to share with you is um, London City Mission, whose heart is to, send, is to bring the gospel into unreached places, obviously, Forestdale being one of them, particularly in a state, have come to us and they are partnering with us. And they are doing two things. They are partnering with us with the Kids Club, but the second, which we're already doing, but the second thing they've done is they've got us doing door knocking. Now, when exactly, I mean, some of you are already laughing. When I first heard it, I was like, no, everybody's going to think I'm a Jehovah's Witness. No, don't do door knocking, please. But the guy who works with the estate, who's got extensive experience in doing door knocking, he says, no, it'll be okay, it'll be all right. If you want the people to know that there is a new thing happening, you need to go and tell them. Don't just sit there and invite them to come, you need to go. So I said, all right, okay, okay. I'm the leader of the church. I need to show example. All right, I'm in. Sign me up. And so we started. I want to say to you that we have knocked on 300, church, 300 houses. In, um, no, more than that, but the people we've spoken to are about 300. And I want to say to you the one or two times where we have been mistaken for a Jehovah's Witness started like this. She opened the door. No, I'm not interested. Um, I just got a message on our forest, on our um, forest that was divided into mini estates in our, in our little, it was Broadscrift, and they have a WhatsApp group or something. So basically the word has gone out. People are coming, knocking on doors, so don't open. But for some reason she opened anyway. She opened to tell us she's not interested. And I said, no, we're not Jehovah's Witnesses. Oh, what are you then? <laughs> oh, we are, um, we are a new um, family of believers that, new group of people who have come to love this community to help and support them. We've planted the church. We've done um, barbecues. We do kids club. We wanted to know if there's anything we can do to help you, to bless the community. And as we spoke, the door just went wider and wider and wider. Um, and then the facial expressions was changing. And she told us, she told us a big, a, a very disappointing story about Jehovah's Witness and let us know where her experience was coming from and the sadness. And we ended up Getting her into, and this is just one example, getting her into the place of when you do the Jubilee thing, I want to be there. Can you come and get me? Okay? And this is just a story of many things that is happening when we've been doing door knocking. It's, it's almost like fill the fear, but go to them anyway and explain yourself. And now many people in Forest, they'll know that there is a church. It's a loving church that loves the people, that loves the community, that is involved in doing many things for them. So we have really enjoyed that. And um, I think the last thing I'll say to you is that two Sundays in, in a row, probably this will be the third one, one family, and this is the reason why it is important we do this, and my time is going. Man. <laughs> um, one family, no, I won't say family, two boys, because we, we go to the house to pick them up and bring them to church. Um, this family is a family of four. All four of them, they have a different dad. And the guy who is living with the mom right now looks like a teenager. And the first boy is 13. And when we walked in to invite them, everything in her is saying, please help me. 
and, and our hearts were like, okay, we will come and, and collect you. And then, of course, you arrive on the day, and, and this boyfriend is there, and there is shame. Okay? And so she's like, oh, I've got a headache, but would you please take the boys? So we take the boys, and we'll bring them to Kiss Club. And the reason why I'm sharing this with you is, yes, last week I was leading Kiss Club. And the two boys were at the very front of the boys' group, and they are eager to win the prize. And I was tipped by the previous leader saying, if they do something great, make sure you reward them. And so I was waiting for it. And we do something called memory verse competition. And the time came for the memory verse. And these boys, their hands shot up. And I see this man, he, he, he gets out this passage that he's written. He doesn't want to cheat, but he wants to win. And this guy is memorizing and he's reciting scriptures to me. And he gets it right. And we reward him. Um, that's why we do what we do. That's why we must get the gospel into places where they are least rich. That's what God is doing. That's the kind of thing that helps me focus. Because in the beautiful story that I've told you, I'm sure you guys know that it has come with great difficulty and misunderstanding and church politics that, that can so, so easily distract you. Okay? And God, in his grace and mercy, does these things and allow us to see these things so we can keep focused. So I say those things to encourage you, but I also say those things to remember to continue to pray for us at Forrester. Pray for me, pray for the team, pray for the, the people that live on the estate and how we might reach them. Whew. Oh, man. Judges chapter 11. Now Japhtah the, Gilead, the Gileadite was a mighty man of valor, and he was the son of a harlot. And Gilead begot Japhtah. Gilead's wife bore sons, and when his wife's sons grew up, they drove Japhtah out and said to him, You shall have no inheritance in our father's house, for you are the son of another woman. Verse 3. Then Japhtah fled from his brothers and dwell in the land of Tub. And worthless men and banded together with Japhtah and went out raiding with him. Now it came to pass after a time that the people of Ammon made war against Israel. So it was when the people of Ammon made war against Israel that the elders of Gilead went to Japhtah from, from the land of Tub. Then they then they said to Japhtah, come and be our commander, that we may fight against the people of Ammon. So Japhtah said to the elders of Gilead, did you not hate me and expel me from my father's house? Why have you come to me now when you are in distress? And the elders of Gilead said to Japhtah, that is why we have come. We've turned to you again. So come now. In other words, never mind what happened. Come now, that you may go with us and fight against the people of Ammon. And be our head over the, over the inhabitants of Gilead. 
So Japheth said to the, the elders of Gilead, if, you, if I come back home to fight against the people of Ammon and the Lord delivers them to me, shall I be your head? In other words, are you for real? Are you serious? Do you really mean what you're saying? And the elders of Gilead said to Japheth, the Lord will be our witness between us if we do not do according to our words. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the amazing stories that you've written in the text for our instruction. We thank you that that which was written 2,570 years ago still speaks today. And Lord, as we look into it, I pray that you speak to me, speak to every single person in this room, because your word really gives life. And so we pray, impart life to us, wash us, cleanse us, shape us by your word, and glorify yourself through us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I did manage to find three points, and I did manage to get all of them to begin with D, because (laughs) I want to speak to you this morning about definition, demolition, and division. No, sorry. Definition, division, and demolition. Definition. In verse 1, the Bible says, Japheth is defined by his upbringing by the way he was born. He's a mighty man. He's doing great exploits. Nevertheless, people chose to attach to him the stigma of his mom not being married to his dad. And they attached that stigma to him to dishonor him and to alienate him. I want to speak to us first and foremost about definition. I think God wants to remind us as he is building this multicultural, beautiful existence of church in this place. He wants us to be aware of how division happens. And it starts with definition. It starts with how you define people and the stigma you attach to it. And and I will go there, and it's interesting, again, that you have given me this passage to speak into this. Because in in my ancestors' history is that, yes, our black men and women came into the West to work and to be slaves. And so they were known as down here. But then came a point where the West decided to make their color a stigma to their status in life. And so that when a black man became a doctor above many white people, the fact that he's still black... He is seen as down here because his skin color is attached to his definition and the statement down there. And it's a psychological thing that happens, and that's what's happening to Japheth. Although he, has, although he's, he, he was born out of wedlock, and although he has done far better than his brothers, although he has become a mighty man of valor, Although he has become more than his brothers could ever achieve, and we know that because when trouble came, they went to him. Nevertheless, they chose to stick the fact that his mom was not married to his dad, a thing. And that became the problem. And I want to say to us as a church, and I say to you, it is God who is building us. It is God who is forming you. So God, I have every confidence that God will continue to make us more and more beautiful. 
Um, I, I just want to throw out a disclaimer there. When we say we want to build a multicultural church and a diverse church, and I am fully aware that in Selston, it is white majority place. So I'm not saying go and bust in lots of black people so you can look multicultural. That's not what I'm saying at all. What, I, what I'm saying is that we need to be a people where if, say, an Asian or a black person or somebody who is in a minority arrives, they will find home here. Yeah? And it begins with being aware of how our natural mind works in how we define people. And sometimes it is not always bad, so we as Christians do fall into that trap. Sometimes it is a positive thing. I myself, I went to do Kids Club, um, no, I went to do an assembly at Bishop Tennyson's a couple of weeks ago, and Janet Packer came with us. And when I stood up to introduce us, you know, I'm Joseph, I'm this, and um, um, Peter works here, and this person works here, and I introduced Janet as the, she used to be a head teacher. And, you know, I thought I was doing an honorable thing, and she, re, re, she, she, she's like, what are you doing? <laughs> What are you doing? Because she's aware suddenly people's behavior in the room or relationship towards her has changed because I attached the head teacher thing to her. So sometimes we do it honorably, but in many cases, and particularly in our text for today, it is a negative thing. What does that look like? And I shocked you when I read it by Joseph Bidiacon, would be a, a, a good pastor that he's black. And, and, and the first statement of he will be a good pastor is great and it's funny, and then, but he's black. And it's like, okay. What has that got to do with anything? What has the fact that Jafta's mom did not marry Jafta's dad got to do with Jafta himself? What did Jafta ever do wrong other than be born? Um, and that's easier to to accommodate, but I want to push us further, church. What if Jaffa had done something wrong? What if I read to you, for example, that, um, that uh, oh gosh, I don't want to get anyone in trouble. <laughs> what, what if I said to you that um, somebody else would have been a great person, but he used to be an alcoholic? or he used to be an adulterer, or he, he has done so-and-so, or even somebody came to our church, I, I would have said this person would have been fit for an eldership role in this church, but he killed his wife 15 years ago. He's just come out of, well, he got saved in jail, became a Christian, became passionate for God, wept over his, his, his years of just torture, tormenting himself, it is by the grace of God that he's even alive today. And now he's able to preach, he's able to teach, he's able to care, he's able to pastor, he's able to encourage, he's able to turn lots of people away from the road that he went through. And I read this statement. He's a great guy, but he did that. Now I'm messing with your conscience, right? Because there are certain things that when you have done, you shouldn't be in certain rows, okay? I get that. But what I'm trying to push us to think is that we must never get into this place where we box people in. It is not of God to box people in. Because the first thing that happens when, when we box people in 
is it causes division, and it happens in two ways. So number two, verse, verse two and three, is division. There is a pushing out, and there is a pulling together. It says, <clears throat> Gilead's wife bore sons, and when his wife's sons grew up, they drove Japhter out and said to him, you shall have no inheritance in our father's house, for you are the son of another woman. So they drove him out. Verse 3. Then Japhtah fled from his brothers and dwelt in the land of, Nob, of Tob, and worthless men banded together to him. I, I, it, it, I don't want to be reading into the text so much other than what is here, and I feel a real responsibility to speak into these things to you in, in terms of the black-white issue, because I know there's a promise that God gave you about having a multicultural baby. In other words, God is going to form this in you. And, and although whenever God speaks, we rejoice and it is exciting, we want to see it, it is often uncomfortable. It is often done painfully. Reconciliation is always painful. In the body of Christ, he reconciled us to God and he was crucified on the cross. Whenever there is need for reconciliation, it talks about hurt and pain and therefore needing to forgive and restore and bear the pain or the cost of holding together. So in this situation, I, as a, a youth pastor, I attended 133. And in that place, I discovered something called black churches. Okay. Uh, I, I came from Africa, from Ghana. I went straight to Thont, I mean, to New Addington. I was probably one or two black people in the whole school. Then I went to study in Canterbury. Again, probably 10 people, <laughs> 10 black people in the place. Um, and so when I came to 133, I took on the, the job as the youth pastor, and I came to 133, and they told me, there is a group of churches, not just one church that I know of, or two churches that I know of. There is a group of churches called the Black Churches. My heart sank. I was angry. I was disappointed. I was like, "How are you? why are there black men in this room talking about a group of churches called Black Churches? What has gone wrong? What's going on here? And obviously, I was young. I was speaking passionately. And another older black church leader who is in the midst of a multicultural church leadership team pulled me aside and says, Joseph, I feel what you're feeling, but let me tell you what you don't know. And came out the history of when they first arrived, the Afro-Caribbeans and the Africans first arrived, they went to church. And everybody made them know they were not welcome. People won't sit next to them. People wanted to reserve certain places for them. They couldn't sing. They couldn't be themselves. There was hurt. There was pain. There was rejection. And they had nothing else to do than to leave. But they want to worship God. So the story goes like this. Did that happen to you as well? Yes, it happened to me. Let's pray together. Let's worship together. Black churches emerged. 
So before you say, oh, you're angry, this shouldn't be, and you want to fix everything, Joseph understand the history because it would help you bring healing. And that's what Jephthah does. We don't have time to go in there, but when he comes out to fight, he recalls history to give him confidence to fight the battle. I mean, do read the two chapters, um, Judges chapter 11 and 12. And I, I, want, I want to say that there is a pushing away for division to happen. And at the same time, the black churches are gathering to themselves to find comfort, to find hope. And, and, and it says they banded together. And this, this, in a negative sense, again, in David's story, actually, if you have the commentary, it puts a similar thing to David, which I believe is your vision as well. Abdullam's cave. He is rejected, he runs away, and all the people who are destitute, all the people who are sad, all the people who are upset about what's going on come to David. And out of that comes a mighty army that changes everything. Definition causes division. Division happens in two ways. There is a rejection going on, and there is a pulling together. Um, in terms of the women thing, there is, <laughs> there is oh, we believe that men should be the leaders of the church. They are the fathers of their, of their house. And then it goes further than that, and it pushes women to think, actually, no, they, we're not having this. And the whole movement arise, feminism. In the church, there is a proper theological exposition that teaches a very different theological standpoint from com- complementarianism to what is called egalitarian thinking. And it always emerges, it always emerges because somewhere along the line, people go too far one way and provokes a different thing. That's what I'm saying. There is a pushing away that pulls together a new thing and therefore division arises. Do you understand what I'm saying? It happens all the time. Um, in, in sharing with you in terms of going into um, church, into places where the church hasn't quite gone yet, I visited London City Mission, and they had this board of London, and I think I've shared this with you before. Green patches are places, lots of churches. Then there are yellow patches where there are a few churches, and then there are red patches where there are very little presence of the church. And immediately, the director of London City Mission made the link and told me that the red patches are poorer areas. Straight away, they are poorer areas. And I'm standing in London, and he points to Addington. By the way, that's where the provocation in our hearts and in our partnership for planting into Addington came from, because, like I said, I lived in Addington, and I didn't even know this man knew Addington. But there are red patches in Croydon, and it is often the case that where that's where the poorer people are. Why is that? Because there is a pushing away that, oh, missionary churches do this. Oh, those people from the estate. And this language is not just in the church. This language is found in schools. Oh, you see that boy who's misbehaving. Yeah, he's from the estate. Oh, okay. Definitions. Accepting division. And it happens in the church. We, we, we will send missionaries there to, to go and do the job. But, yeah, it's those lot. We must... Be careful. But there is hope in this story because as with every problem in the world, the church is the answer. 
because there is no real good news, no real reconciliation, no real restoration entity or agent on the planet except the church. When Jesus says you are the light of the world, you are the hope of the world, it is fact. You, you, we must come to a place where we believe that if the church were to, to vanish, and one day it will, when the rapture comes, it will be game over. There will be chaos and disorder, and, and it will cease. The answer must always come from the church. And how the church has experienced this, has tasted the goodness of reconciliation with God so they can give it away, is in here. And very quickly, we need to go to how you pull down or demolish dividing walls. In chapter, five, sorry, chapter 11, verse 5 and 6, it says this. And so it was when the people of Ammon made war against Israel that the elders of Gilead went to Japheth from the land of Tob. Then they said to Japheth, come and be our commander that we may fight against the people of Ammon. And so Japheth went. There is only one principle here I wanted, to, I wanted to pull out because we need to pray. Is that really the time? Is it nearly 12 o'clock? Wow. Oh, man. So the, the one principle here for, for demolishing dividing walls is it must come from the powerful. It must come from the ruling power to bring restoration if it come any other way, it is a revolution that is going to cause pain. In other words, if these guys had not gone to Japheth and his group, and at some point Japheth became big and decided, I'm not having this. I'm going to take the inheritance that my dad gave me. It would have been for war. He would have been angry, pushing back, and fighting. That is the understanding of what happens in our world when, again, when black people don't hear what needs to be said to them, the response is often coming from a place of pain and anger. It is, it is no one is fighting for me, I must fight for myself. But positively here in this text, the elders go to Japheth. Hear me, hear me, guys. For reconciliation to happen peacefully, the ruling power or the majority or the people who are in place needs to lead it. You need to lead this, otherwise it won't work properly. There are occasions, obviously, like Nelson Mandela, and obviously there is the revolution. He's coming from underneath, and then he goes into prison, and he becomes more and more powerful in prison, and his reasoning is engaging, and he's able to turn the minority into a majority, but the peace only happens when the powerful accept this is the way we're going and call it to be so. This is what I'm saying, church. Reconciliation must happen. And the way it must happen must be that we go to all those who are disenfranchised, who would see us as people in authority, people in power. It's very clear to me when we are reaching into um, the estate that there is a clear divide in people's minds, them, the, the middle-class white people. They, they don't listen. They just look down on us the whole time. And there's a, a, a blame 
and the game shifting here where there is people who are not being able to receive because they're already feeling beaten. And even if it's not, even if it's not your fault, they're already feeling beaten. And the rescue must always come from the elders, from the people in position of power. I'm not, I'm not saying that the people who are feeling disenfranchised shouldn't speak, shouldn't fight. Of course they should, and they, will, they should make things clear. Women in the church, if you're feeling actually there is no proper room and space for me here, talk to the elders, talk to you, make the change happen. If you are, if, if you are black or in a minority here and you're feeling a certain way about issues, talk to the elders, talk to the leaders, talk to the ruling power or authority, as it were, so that it happens peacefully and do it quickly because the scriptures teaches us that the power is the powerful person is what brings reconciliation let me finish by saying this this is how god demonstrated it because in spite of all of our division whether it is black or white or male or female or rich or poor whatever divisions we've got among ourselves there is a greater divide and that is god and man we have all these divisions here and we're fighting among ourselves but the greatest one is God is holy, God is perfect, and here is everything that is sinful. And the Bible says, all have sinned and fallen short of the grace of God. All have fallen short of the glory of God. And the only way, the only way reconciliation can happen is that God, the powerful, comes humbly, pays that difficult price, of being wrongly accused, being beaten, feeling the pain, the judgment, all the things that are done to him unfairly, he takes it. When, if you hear somebody say to you about white privilege and it hurts you, you take it. If you go into, uh, into Forestdale and, they, and you, they know that you're a doctor and suddenly they're like, oh, or you're a policeman, God forbid, you're a policeman, they're like, oh, pigs, you take it. Why? You have a greater purpose of reconciliation, of restoring and bringing goodness. And so God so loved the world, knowing that reconciliation, what brings life, came and took the pain, the wrong accusations being nailed on the cross to bring forgiveness of sin. So when I see him, that he did not deserve to die, but he did it, so I could be forgiven. I no longer accuse the Son of God. I thank him. Thank you for being gracious to me. Thank you for being kind to me. And restoration, reconciliation happens. So God has spoken to you, Jubilee, about being a multi-colored baby. It's going to cost you, but the beautiful thing is he's going to do it. And he's going to do it because he's going to equip you through some of the words that I've been saying to you and other words that he'll say to you. But this church will be the one church that if any minority arrives in this place, they'll find a place called home because you guys have paid a price.